Hello, and welcome to the MS for Mama podcast. I'm your host, Abby Halberstadt, happy wife, mama to 10, Bible-believing Christian. And on today's episode, we are wrapping up the second half of the Twimby's birth story. I know I left you guys hanging a bit last week, but I promise that you will be happy that you showed up for round two. The wait will be worth it because this is such a cool story of God's timing, of the power of prayer, and of his knowing exactly what needed to happen and where it needed to happen all along. I hope you guys enjoy. So we go in, and sure enough, we go into this lobby. There's one person in there. Nobody else there. The girl is very much like, hi, how are you? You know, check in, down that hall, to the right. It's 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 my stereotype in my brain of what my hospital experience is going to be like. You know, with Shadow's birth and my midwife being like, how about you just stay here and, and we'll bring you food and, you know, we can relax. And then I end up having this great birth at this birth center. So the, the difference in the personality, the difference in the reception, the difference in the warmth, and you can have a great receptionist in a hospital. I fully acknowledge and all of you great receptionists out there at the hospitals that are making people feel welcome and warmly receiving them. Good job. But it's not always the case you know, anywhere that you go. And so I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I was just being so down while contracting. Thankfully, my nurse that actually did the induction was very sweet. And we talked about homeschooling. She was a work outside the home two days a week and then homeschool the rest of the time mom, which was something I super admire. That's, that's a lot of gumption to make that schedule work, especially when you have to do things like all night shifts, but she was there and she was the night nurse. She was super sweet. And so she got me all set up and I remember they do this suppository of, I can't remember what it's called. And I have a feeling if I say what it's called, I'll say something completely wrong because I don't feel like my brain is remembering it correctly, but it's supposed to soften your cervix, but it is not supposed to amp up contractions necessarily because it's just, it's not Pitocin. It's not something that should induce contractions. Uh, but in the middle of the night, I'm starting to have much stronger contractions just with this suppository. And I can't move because you're supposed to lie there and keep the thing inside you. And I am lying there in the dark and I'm already in not a great headspace that I'm fighting with. I'm not just letting myself spiral, but I am having to fight pretty hard and pray like, Lord, of course there's hope in this. I'm about to meet two babies. But for some reason, I just feel so disconnected emotionally from this. And I feel kind of hopeless. And this whole situation is, it just feels foreign. It just feels like I walked into somebody else's life and this is not who I am. I know that sounds dramatic, but birth brings out dramatic feelings. And so I'm lying there in the dark. Sean is sleeping, which I'm grateful for because, you know, one of us needs to sleep. I should be sleeping, but I can't. I'm hooked up to too many things. I have to pee. I, you know, ugh. but I was able to access my phone and I was reading scriptures and a good friend of mine from Instagram messaged me in 2 a.m. said, I don't know why I'm awake, but I just need you to know that I'm praying for you and I'm so excited for you and I'm so excited you get to meet these two babies soon and it's going to be amazing and the Lord's got this and that's what I needed, y'all. That is the thing that that helped my brain start to shift from woe is me, this is not what I wanted it to look like. I feel alone and I feel foreign to 
The Lord has never left your side. You're about to get to meet two babies. Who cares if it's exactly how you wanted? It's going to happen and you better start rejoicing, you know, because we're told by scripture to rejoice in all things, not just when things go the way that we want them to. So I started thanking the Lord for things. I started thanking him for a safe pregnancy up to that point that I was about to get to meet my baby boys, that I was safe in a hospital, that I had people taking care of me, that the contractions were coming. So they keep coming, but they're not terrible, but they're like early stages of labor coming. And I make it through the night. I think I eventually fell asleep at like four in the morning and they came in at like 530 in the morning to get things going. My nurse turns out to be this hilarious, just off the wall. Just, I don't know how to describe this lady, Um, but she was a hoot and she had a strong Texas accent and she just kept blurting out funny sayings. I can't even remember any of them off the top of my head. But she just had me giggling when I had been. (laughs) It makes me think of my four-year-old thinks he hates to take naps, but he actually loves them once he gets settled in. But while we're there, he's saying, I don't want to go to bed. I want to stay up like Honor stays up. And um, he needs it. He's tired. And so we get him all situated. We get his, you know, we go potty and we get his um, drink and we get in bed and I pray with him or I sing with him. And the thing I have to do to distract him from his bad mood that he's in because he's tired and he needs a nap and he thinks he doesn't is to tickle him or to sometimes I'll have him give me a hug. Be like, Shiloh, I need a hug. And he'll give me a hug and I'll say, I need you to pat my back. And he'll start patting my back. I'm like, I really need you to rub my shoulders. And and of course, what am I doing? Misdirection. I'm distracting him. So by the time he's patted and rubbed and done all the things, he thinks it's funny and he forgot that he's mad. Well, that's kind of what it felt like the Lord did with this nurse coming in. Here I am pouting and having a bad attitude and feeling overwhelmed and stressed and afraid. And he brings me this nurse that is just like cracking jokes right and left and very matter of fact, but kind, took good care of me. The opposite of what I think I was subconsciously expecting. You know, I expected somebody clinical and and not helpful just in my pessimistic side. Not because I think all nurses are like that at all. But that's what I feared, I suppose. And so she came in and she was was just great. And my uh, OBGYN came in and talked to me and... (laughs) She, I remember she, uh, she made some comment about the most recent twin delivery that she'd done being, it was about a week before. And she made some comment that no doctor should ever make about how the babies came out. And I won't even, I won't even repeat it here because it was just so inappropriately dark. Now the babies made it, they were fine, but just the way she described the situation was so bleak. And I, by that point, I think my midwife had gotten there and I remember her looking at her and then looking at me like, don't say that in front of a lady that's about to have two babies. Like what's wrong with you? But that's who this OBGYN was. She was just tell it like however it came out of her brain right into her mouth. And uh, so that was an interesting start to the day, but I'm like, it's going to, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Feeling much more optimistic by the moment. And so they start me on Pitocin and I, that was another thing that I have really always dreaded is I've just heard these horror stories about Pitocin and how much worse the contractions are. Of course, I've had honors birth where my water broke and I've often heard Pitocin contractions compared to contractions when your water is broken and they're just way more intense. And of course, some of you that have had really bad Pitocin contractions are like, oh, it's not even comparable. They're so much worse. But this did nothing. I was contracting already and I was feeling them, but this did not intensify those contractions. 
And my nurse was so confused because I seem like I'm handling these fine. They're coming, but why in the world are they getting worse? I will say, if nothing else, I think that they actually got farther apart and a little less because if you've listened to my birth stories, you know that I have a defiant uterus who says, oh yeah, you would like me to hurry up? Well, I will stop. I'm not going to do anything that I don't want to do. So I think that she was actually fighting with that Pitocin, which cracks me up. So I did that for a while. And then they came in to talk to me about having an epidural, which is another thing that I've never had before this birth and had considered having and was pretty much thinking I probably would have for one very specific reason. When you have an epidural already in your system, if you end up with an emergency C-section, which I was certainly not hoping for or planning on, but it was a higher possibility with this pregnancy, being in hospital, being 37 years old. I was 11 days away from being 38. I didn't feel like it was a geriatric pregnancy, but that's what they label it. And so I, I'm like, you know, if, if we end up where C-section ends up being something that will save these babies' lives or is medically necessary, then I want to be awake to hold my babies immediately. And there's a much higher chance of that if I already have an epidural so I guess we'll do that. And they were talking about giving me the epidural. And I remember being like, but I'm not in enough pain. I'm, I, in fact, I think the contractions have slowed down. And they were like, Abby, that is, this is not the point. Like, go ahead. If you're going to do it, let's go ahead and do it now because you never know when things might ramp up. And I just remember thinking like, I know my body. It's, I, it's fighting this Pitocin. And probably if we give it an epidural, it's going to stop contracting altogether because I've heard that can happen as well. So I didn't do anything under duress, but I had my doubts that this would speed things along because, of course, then there's the 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 suggestion that, hey, this could just completely relax everything and you could just have a baby in an hour, two babies in an hour, boom. And I felt very skeptical about that. So I think it was around noon. Um, we got there at 11 the night before, so it's been almost 12 hours. I am still contracting, but more erratically since I got Pitocin, um, and not more intensely, even though they were ramping up with just the suppository. So that's, you know, I'm confusing the tar out of my nurse. She's like, this is so strange. Why is this? This is not the direction this is supposed to go. I'm like, I'm sorry. This is just who I am. So around noon, an anesthesiologist nurse anesthetist, I should say, comes in. Uh, we have the coolest conversation because it turns out that she is newly pregnant and she um, actually was pregnant with an embryo transfer from their attempts to get pregnant through IVF. And she and her husband had had a conviction that if they were going to have these embryos frozen, they were going to use every last one of them regardless of how many pregnancies that ended up being. And they had, I don't remember how many they had left at that point, but she had a plan. She was pregnant with a baby from an embryo transfer. And then they had two more, I think, viable ones, maybe three. And she was going to use those as well. And um, so we had a really cool conversation. She did CrossFit and I had been doing CrossFit um, for a while before that. And she was fascinated about twins and because of the possibility of potentially having twins in the future if they transfer two embryos at once and they both took. And so we had this whole cool conversation and I think it helped me relax through this experience of getting this needle placed in my spine, which is scary. 
and um, but it went well, no problems. So the epidural took, and I was pretty much numb pretty quickly. The Pitocin didn't seem like it was doing very much, and I had a very weird sensation of... It's not a weird sensation for many people, but for me, a very, very weird experience of spending the next six or so hours in bed being cared for and doted on. Like, my midwife is sitting in the corner. Like, <laughs> Such a strange thing for a midwife to be there, but there's not much for me to do. And I had wanted to be out of the bed, if at all possible, as much as possible before the epidural, but really when they have two monitors on you, they didn't have wireless monitors for two babies. And so I had to be strapped up quite a bit. And so like I had to be unstrapped and helped to the bathroom because I had so many things attached to me. It's just a completely, completely different experience, completely foreign experience to me because every other birth has been med free, move around completely at my own leisure, can eat what I want, drink what I want, you know, just all the things that go along with, um, the more natural birthing environment. So I'm just trying not to fight it anymore. I'm trying to say, Lord, this is yours. We're here. You've orchestrated this. I didn't choose to be in the hospital, but it was my only option. So this is of you and I'm going to embrace this for what it is, even though it feels weird. And I wish that I had been able to fall asleep. I love to nap when I can. I love a good power nap. I could not fall asleep. For some reason, I would start to drift off and then my brain would jerk me awake again. And I wasn't in pain and I wasn't scared like I was when I was in labor with Shiloh, but I just could never fall asleep. So people are talking to me, rubbing my feet, rotating me, taking me to the bathroom. I'm just, I'm just the queen of the castle. And, and I'm warm and I don't feel the contractions. And at one point she says, they, they have picked up some... But I'm thinking, exactly how long are we going to be here? Well, it gets to be about six in the evening. And I start thinking, Lord, Sean tells me, I think you were in labor when we came here and we might have killed it with these Pitocin doses and this uh, this epidural. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, he, I honestly, I don't know that he said that at the time because he's smart enough not to get me worried. But he might have made some reference to, I think you were already in labor. And then after the fact, he goes, you were in labor. And we'll, we'll never know for sure, will we? But I was definitely contracting and that that happens. So we'll, we'll just, we'll just leave that one at, my husband says that he thinks I was, it was the real deal. Having seen me in labor and fake labor and prodromal labor and all the things many times before, he's like, you, you were going to have those babies. So we messed with it, but we got there eventually because I had shared on social media that morning that we were heading into the hospital. I have never done this before. I am not the girl that wants to be checked on by a bunch of people. I'm not the girl that wants the internet twiddling their thumbs while they wait for me to have a baby or babies. But because it was an induction and I felt somewhat confident that we would be having babies that day. And because it meant that so many people would be praying for me because who doesn't want the extra prayers? I went ahead and said, you know, this is where we're all we're at the hospital today. Well, that was pretty early in the morning. And so hours and hours go by and it's six in the evening and I'm starting and I'm not checking my phone hardly at all. But at that point I got my phone out and I just have messages. Oh, can't wait to hear. We're praying for you. all these things. And I thought, man, now you've put yourself in a situation where all these people are worried about you and they're wondering why you haven't announced babies yet. And, you know, they're, they're, they are twiddling their thumbs and they are 
tapping their toes. And so what do you, what do you do now? You know? And so I did an Instagram story. I just took a picture of um, me in the hospital bed and said, I'm still here. I'm still contracting. And I was up to about a six at that point. Well, if you recall, when I came into the hospital the first time with Ezra and I was at a six, I didn't have him for another six hours. Well, this is six in the evening. So that would mean midnight, which would mean if it even went a tick past midnight, we would miss the twinsies birthday. If you recall with Della, I was at a six at 1am and I didn't end up having her until 1am the next day. So 24 hours later, if you recall with Theo, I was at an eight at three in the morning and I didn't have him until 10am the next morning. I am capable of being pretty far along in labor, it seems, and not having a baby for a long time. So I'm like, we are going to miss this deadline unless my body hurries up because it has just been inching. Like they had been checking me because they do that in the hospital and it was a three. And then a couple hours later, you know, a four. And then a couple of hours after that, a five. And then a couple of hours after that, a six that he was like, maybe a six. So I'm starting to get a little bit worried that we're going to miss it's it's a self-imposed deadline, but that the girls aren't going to get their long prayed for outcome. And I really would love for them to have them. And I would love to meet these babies and I would love to not be here forever. And I would love for my doctor to still be on shift because she was leaving and my nurse was leaving and because um, she'd been there for 12 hours. So I'm like, okay, Lord, this is still not going how I want it to go. What are we doing? Like this was supposed to go faster because we did all these medical interventions again I'm the natural girl. I get it. All my natural people are like, Abby, let me tell you. And I'm like, I hear you. But it would have been nice if my body responded, and it just didn't. So about 6.15 in the evening, I get on Instagram. I do this update, and I say, would love to meet these babies soon if y'all would just pray. And y'all, I kid you not, within five minutes, I started feeling something that I hadn't felt before pressure like what what is this not that I'd never felt before but I hadn't been feeling for the last six hours with this epidural and then it starts increasing and my midwife is down beside me talking to me like how are you feeling how are you doing how are you holding up and I say well I'm doing fine but I, I think the epidural is wearing off and she said well what makes you think that and I said well I'm starting to feel a lot of pressure and pain and yeah it's starting to burn and so she's like, uh, okay. So a new nurse has just come in. She's over there. The shift change is happening. She's over there filling out paperwork and asking me questions. And it's still not enough pain that I can't answer questions or anything like that, but it's starting to ramp up pretty quickly. And I'm realizing that I can feel my legs and I can feel my cervix, but I can't feel my upper body very well. And I can't process what's going on at the time, but you know, after the fact, I'm realizing probably the catheter with the epidural got pointed, tilted up towards my upper body more than my lower. And so it wasn't getting the drip to my lower body and it was wearing off. And I don't know how long it had been like that, but I was experiencing all of the sensations that you experience when you're about to have a baby bit by bit, they were coming back to life. And yet my upper body was not feeling anything. So I'm like this is not working out. I'm at the very end of this and the hardest part. And, and with this is starting to get, you know, what's the good of this epidural if it doesn't keep the hardest part from being the hardest part, but that's okay. We're just going to get this done. And so I'm like, Melina, I think, I think, I think we're almost there. 
So the nurse is taking her time. And finally, Melina says, because she doesn't, I mean, I'm just lying there. And I've been lying there for hours. And she's looked at the notes and knows this. And so she says, uh, I think that she needs to be checked. I think that we are in business. And the nurse kind of looks at her like, I mean, not rudely, but like understandably, like, okay, hold your horses. Like, we're okay. And she knows it's twins, of course. And she knows that it has to happen in the OR. We are not in the OR. We are still in the delivery hospital room in the delivery bed. And so she finally comes over and checks me and <laughs> her face is priceless. She looks at me and her eyes are huge. And she's like, okay, uh, you're complete. Um, okay. Let me call the doctor. So all of a sudden, just 57 things happen at once. People burst into the room. They give Sean scrubs. They give Melina scrubs. There's just a lot of moving and, shaking and it's getting more intense and all of a sudden I'm the whole hospital bed is being rolled down a very brightly lit corridor and I'm staring up at Sean's face and the bright lights and thinking okay okay I guess we're doing this and I'm starting to feel pushing contractions and yes I can feel all of them and we get into the OR and my doctor I told you she didn't have a lot of soft edges but she still wanted to do things you know to to make her clients happy if at all possible and so she had told the 15 people that were in the room to stay behind my head so that I couldn't see them so there not all of them were behind my head and she was definitely in front of me down by my feet and the operating table is over here to my left and they're just super bright lights, just glaring fluorescent lights in my eyes. And it's just a very out of body, unreal, surreal experience. I mean, it's just like, what even is going on? This is not a normal birth for me at all, but I don't feel afraid of it anymore. I feel calm and I feel ready and I feel in awe of the fact that I literally went on the internet and asked people to pray and I asked my family to pray and they started praying and I went from a six to a 10 in the fastest transition that I've ever done in less than an hour because this, this point is probably about seven o'clock. So it's probably been 45 minutes and my brain is processing that. I'm like aware of what time it is and I'm like, this is incredible. Like, look Look what your intercession did, folks. This is amazing. I'm about to have these babies. And so they get us in there. There's all these voices and people behind me. And I remember at one point, there's someone down by my left ankle stroking my ankle. And I'm present enough, even through the contractions and this surreal experience, to think, why is this stranger stroking my leg? <laughs> like, what is going on? And I just let them do their thing because I don't feel like shaking them off and I'm distracted by all the other stuff. And finally, at one point I say something and this person down by my leg says, it's Melina. And I realize this is my midwife who has on a mask and a head covering, you know, the, 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 the cap and she has a gown and she was kind of lower than my eye level down there by my feet. And so I had not figured it out, but it just made me giggle so much that, um, and later on she told me, she's like, that look you gave me, like I thought that you you looked so confused and like you didn't want me to be there. And I was like, oh, I thought you wanted me to be in the delivery room. I was like, I did. I just didn't know who you were. There was too much going on. So they pretty much got me centered, got everybody around me. And I was experiencing pushing contractions and crowning and burning and all the things. And it's interesting how present you can be when you've done this so many times at this point 
and it's still painful and it's still, um, it's still a lot of work, but it's just not the same thing as, I mean, I say my first came out in two or three pushes, but it's, you're, it's kind of shocking that what your body is doing right this time around. I remember beginning to push and bearing down and feeling the crowning all in kind of this one, one fell swoop and pushing, pushing, pushing and thinking, I can do this. I can do this. I'm, I'm just going to get this done. I don't want to make this last any longer. I don't want another push. I'm just doing this and tucking my chin to my chest and having this baby. And so Titus James was born in one push. He was five pounds, four ounces. Perfect. Smaller than we maybe thought he was going to be, but some, eh, I don't know. I think the sonograms had said that they were somewhere in the, between the five and the six range. And so I didn't know how much he weighed right then, but they just put this tiny little perfect guy on my chest and I got to enjoy him for, I don't know, maybe 15 seconds. And all of a sudden my OBGYN is digging around in my uterus and I do not use that term lightly. And I am like flinching and trying to not to crawl off the back of the table. And I don't know who all is behind me. I know Sean is up here to my right. And I figured out finally that Melina's down here to my left. And I see my OBGYN in front of me. Other than that, I don't know who's in the room because they're mostly staying out of my field of vision. And someone leans down to me as I'm, I don't know what noises I was making. I wasn't screaming or anything, but I was kind of whimpering or, or just making pain, pained noises. And she says, you can feel this, can't you? Because of course I'm supposed to have an epidural and my OBGYN, who is not the gentlest personality is checking on the position of baby B with her hand up to her elbow in my uterus while I don't have an epidural that's working anymore on anything except for my belly button and up. So my, it's the nurse anesthetist. That's a hard word to say down there by my ear. And she says, you can feel this, can't you? And I'm like, could you tell by the whimpering and the trying to crawl off the table while holding a baby? And I don't say any of that, but I just kind of nod. And she goes, okay, I'm going to give you some more in your epidural. And she doesn't realize, I guess, that it's pointed the wrong direction. I mean, I didn't either. And I cannot guarantee you that's what happened. But it certainly seems to be the case when I tell you what happened next. So I can't see what she does. But Sean told me later that she proceeds to take like a syringe and like just shove it. Just, just fill me to the max. But I remember thinking, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure I'm about to have another baby. How in the world is upping my epidural going to do any good? Because it's not going to take effect in time, right? Like this is about to be done, surely. And my OBGYN realizes that Toby has flipped just like Nola did, except for he didn't do the full flip. So feet or head, feet is a little scarier for some People like pushing a head out last is not an ideal situation, but Nola came out great. But Toby is neither. He is transverse across my belly and he's presenting with his arm down, kind of like a Superman pose, except pointing down. And <laughs> so she feels this and she feels the cord. And she basically, after the fact, explained that if that cord had had a chance to come out, that you can't get it back up and you can't deliver a baby through a cord. And I was about to have to have a C-section if she did not maneuver this baby. So she none too gently proceeds to turn him manually. And it's like, I need, you know, 
hands or or I need head or feet. You know, that's that's the direction that I need to be able to get leverage. We either need head presenting so she can push them out or feet. And she's not articulating this very clearly. She is just going for it. She does this little hook. Sounds terrible, but this hook up in there pops the amniotic bag. So waters rush out. I'm, this whole time I'm holding Titus to my chest. And I say this whole time, but it is happening really quickly. Evie and Nola are eight minutes apart, but they came spontaneously one after the other without any intervention at all. And this feels like it's, you know, 30 minutes long of pain and kind of stress. And and I remember lifting my head up and being like, what are you doing? Because there was so much pain of her digging around in there. And I just had a baby. And Melina holding on to my ankle and saying, like, she's, she's checking his position. She's making sure he's okay. So she gets him turned, but she doesn't manage to turn his head down. She turns feet down. And again, I can't see what's happening. I can just feel it because my head is back and I'm holding on to a baby on my chest. So I can't really look and I can't lift myself up because of holding the baby. And everybody else is just kind of watching this saga unfold. And Sean's, I think, holding my hand or, or her, has his hand on my shoulder up by my head. And he said watching this next part happen was just like the scariest thing ever. Because she proceeds to manually deliver Toby limb by limb. And again, none too gently. Like she was getting the baby out. And my body is trying to push. And she keeps telling me not to because she doesn't want the pressure bearing down while she gets the baby out. So finally it was just his head left and she says, now you can push. And so I push and it's same pressure as, you know, any other baby. It's definitely an unpleasant experience pushing a baby out of your body. And he comes out, but right away I notice that something's not right. His coloring is much grayer than it should be. And his head is flopping like he's not holding it up. And I kept asking, why isn't he crying? Why isn't he crying? Why isn't I was trying to lift myself up while holding Titus, but everybody's too focused on the baby, understandably, to worry about me because we're fine. And so they take him over to an oxygen cart and they give him some oxygen that they have just maybe 10 feet away. And I really can't see very well, but I'm, I'm trying to watch. And Sean goes over there with him. And then they bring him back to me after about 10 minutes. Maybe it's not even that long. And they place him on my chest and we do skin to skin. Um, but Melina, after a couple of minutes, says he's still retracting. Like his his lungs aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. He's heaving and not getting enough air. And so they took him to the nursery to give him more oxygen treatments. Well, the whole time this is happening, I'm horribly worried about him, of course. But I'm also having trouble with my thoughts. Like I'm having trouble focusing. I'm having trouble finishing a thought. My eyes feel like they're rolling and I can't focus my vision and I start to feel sick and they roll me back to the delivery room that I had been in laboring and are just talking to me and telling me what they're doing with Toby and saying he's going to be okay. And I can't really focus on what they're saying. And then they want me to nurse Titus. And I've done this so many times before that I just kind of go through the motions and I get him latched and I realize that I can't feel anything. It's like watching a child latch on someone else's body. And my brain just gets to the conclusion that this extra dose has kicked in and it has gone completely to my upper body and I am completely numb and I feel sick because it's, you know, affecting everything. It, it went, went to my body really quickly and, uh, yeah, just don't feel great. So I almost throw up. They're like handing me a bag 
and I just take a lot of deep breaths to calm the nausea and to chill everything down. And I finally start to feel a little bit better, though I'm still pretty woozy, holding this baby. He's nursing. I do remember thinking, I can't feel the latch. I think I'm going to be in a lot of pain because he probably doesn't have a great latch, but I can't feel it. Like just kind of this, this out of body experience of watching someone do this and being like, I don't think that's going well. But I was, you know, relieved. Both babies were out of my body. Toby was getting the help that he needed. Titus was fine. But that's as far as my brain could go because it was so loopy. The epidural starts wearing off. I start to feel better. I don't throw up. I start to get more clear-headed. And within about an hour, I think it was 40 minutes to an hour, they bring Toby back and he's doing much better. And he looks pink and he looks chubby. And it turns out that he and Titus have a one pound, nine ounce differential between their weights, which if they had detected that on the sonogram, they probably would have been worried because typically with twin to twin transfusion syndrome, they get a little concerned when there's more than a pound difference. And of course this is over a pound and a half. And so I honestly praise God that the sonogram did not show that because I think there would have been a lot of unnecessary intervention because they were perfect. Once Toby got his oxygen, he was great. He's never had any issues since. They had no time in the NICU. They both um, ate and breathed perfectly from the beginning, had all of their you know signs and vitals that they're supposed to have, and we got released and got to go home in 24 hours. And I also praise God that I had those babies in a hospital because as I was talking to my midwife afterwards and I was saying, you know, I was, I didn't want to have babies in the hospital, but the Lord obviously knew that Toby was going to need oxygen right away. My midwife said, yeah, the thing is the first two rounds of that would have gone exactly like they went at home or in a birth center as they did here. In other words, I would have turned him manually we would have gotten him out, and then when he was having trouble with oxygen, we would have given him oxygen. But the second round, when he started having trouble with oxygen again, we would have transferred you to the hospital for further you know, observation and for further oxygen for him. So you probably would have had an ambulance ride if you'd had a birth center birth or a home birth. And instead, you were already here and you had everything that you needed here. So I'm really, you know, there are going to be people that, that say, see... Hospital births are safer. And there are going to be people that say, oh, it was, you know, the unnecessary interventions that caused him to have the retracting and to need oxygen. Because I really think that to some extent his gray flopping aroundness was the very traumatic birth that he went through. Like being yanked out piece by piece by someone who is, you know, in a hurry to make sure that he gets out. Now, again, she was making sure that we didn't end up with an unnecessary C-section and that this baby got to be born as quickly as possible. And so I'm grateful for her quick thinking, but I do think that it's very likely that Toby had his reaction of struggling to breathe because he didn't have any distress in the womb. They were having his vital signs checked. They were checking the fetal heart monitor and he, you know, he was fine until the very last couple of minutes when he was being yanked on. And so I think probably it's a chicken or egg situation. Like, would he have had issues with breathing without a traumatic delivery? I don't know. Cause he wasn't, didn't seem to be having issues before, but since he had them and we were there, I was like, Lord, you knew all along, you knew where we needed to be and you 
spared us a scary ambulance ride where we would, you know, I was either going to be in the ambulance with a brand new baby or home with a brand new baby wondering about my other newborn. And instead we got them back. We, we got Toby back within an hour. And so it really did end up being quite the experience. And I will say yet again, that I was so ready to go home at the 24 hour mark. For some reason, my brain just doesn't go to this is a spa retreat when I'm at a hospital and I just want to go home and be in my own bed. And when I got home, my sweet mama who had been helping with kids and my dad had been helping as well, but she was there at our house and they'd made a banner for the babies and the twin girls got to have their babies born on their birthday, which is the most special thing. And I really did doubt toward the end there that it was going to happen, but the Lord made it happen in his timing and his way, even with all of the other interventions and fiddling with things that happened in the meantime. So I hope you guys are encouraged and have enjoyed these podcasts that the Lord is good and that he is sovereign and that he is in the details and that there are so many different ways to meet our babies. And, and it's so fun to see just how unique and varied and interesting birth stories can be even within one family. So we'll be tackling a different topic next week and I can't wait to see you guys then, but thanks so much for listening along to all the birth stories. I hope you guys enjoyed them. If you guys enjoyed today's program, I would be so honored if you would subscribe and share with others. And if you're looking for more daily content on motherhood and biblical responses to cultural issues, you can follow along on Instagram at m.is.or.mama.